Welcome back to the Raw Take for CEOs. This is where we tackle today's issues and how they impact your business. And this is hosted by me, Dan. And Steven. We'll give you our Raw Take on what's important for you and your business. Let's get started. Today's the second week of May, May 12th, here on the Raw Take for CEOs. Uh, we're kicking off Marketing May or May Marketing Month. I know that last last week we were not yet on that. We were still finishing up our startup series uh, that we had in April. But uh, now we're moving on to, to the May series. It's all about marketing, right, Dan? Yeah. Uh, and last week we talked about customer success, which is, um, in my mind, sort of that transition point between marketing, sales, engagement agreements, pricing, if you have that in your business, most of us do, or if it's standard, and customer success kind of takes over and helps customers um, introduce customers to the different components of your business. So an important part of our business uh, today. But uh, marketing is obviously, I would say, one of the most important parts of our business. Um, you know, we always say that most businesses really cannot have more than two or three core competencies. And, um, you know, some of these core competencies, you sort of they're in our DNA. So one of our core competencies, hopefully, uh, which is what customers tend to purchase from us, is financial management, right? Whatever service that you provide needs to be obviously one of your core competencies. It has to be one of your core competencies. But in many cases, you also see some companies that are, uh, especially in the beverage um, food where they're not actually making the beverage, they're not canning, um, you know, they're not actually manufacturing the food. It's the delivery, right? It's or the, the delivery. Yeah. But I would even go further and say they're one of their co core competencies has to be marketing. Right. Um, right. So back to us, uh, financial management is one of our key uh, pillars, uh, one of our one of three core competencies that we work towards. And within that, obviously, we've got the the daily bookkeeping and monthly accounting. Uh, in addition, obviously, the financial planning analysis, which is becoming a stronger part of uh, our, uh, our our service yeah. offering. And um, obviously, you're looking at the two CFOs here, plus tax advisory and planning. Now, we, you and I don't need to be like experts in all of those. You really don't want me doing your QuickBooks. Uh, or, or your taxes. I don't think I've ever filed taxes on time. But, you know, financial management overall, yeah. that umbrella is a core competency of this business. And it, it doesn't happen, you know, all of those pieces of financial management that are core competencies, competencies of Growth Lab didn't happen overnight, right? We start with what we, we, we knew, what our core competencies were, and we built upon that. We acquired, it had some acquisitive growth and some, you know, acquire type of uh, growth. Um, but, you know, Big picture, you know, what, what we want to talk about today is, is some of our journey in how marketing did become one of those three uh, kind of core competencies of Growth Lab. And, you know, CEOs out there generally probably don't think of themselves as a marketing company, right? Uh, that's something that they're either going to hire or buy from a service provider. And, you know, that's what that's kind of our journey. We'll, we'll walk through that. But, you know, kind of what we want you to get out of this episode is why should marketing be more of a core competency of my business. Right. So back to the core competencies. Um, so of the three, uh, definitely financial management. Uh, number two, you know, when you're in a uh, human capital and a people business like we are, regardless of how much technology you actually deploy and leverage, uh, you're still in a people business. So 
you can't really be in a people business and not have HR being a core competency. So I always say uh, our second core competency has always been HR. Now, two parts to HR. There's the compliance part. That's sort of the um, check the box, right? Uh, and that for us has very much always been 80-20. We're never going to be 100% experts in all 50 states. Uh, there are always going to be nuances. There's new, new laws. Uh, even today, we talked about, you know, not a new law, but it's a recent sort of uh, 12 months ago, Massachusetts kind of came out yeah. with that family leave. So HR, definitely a core competency. I would say we're much stronger on the strategic side of HR because of how it is intertwined with uh, financial management and business strategy. So yeah, that, that part is too. Yeah, that part the the business strategy part of HR is needs to be part of your whole uh, uh, annual cycle, right? And that's that's why we we touch that on the compliance side. Uh, you know, it's a lot easier to hire that piece of the, of the puzzle. Whether whether you go with the, your payroll provider expanding services there or or elsewhere, you know, that one is is when it, whenever you're dealing with compliance, it's a lot easier to fill that bucket. It's not a, not as easy for somebody else to come into your business and you know, motivate your people. In a people business, we always say, you know, they leave on a Friday, they have to show up on a Monday for you to drive value. And, you know, as a business owner, it's our job to make sure that they're motivated, make sure that they're, you know, uh, they're, they're feeling valued so that they show up on a Monday morning ready and, uh, and excited to deliver value to the customers. And they, you know, I always look at the compliance side is, you know, there's a piece of the compliance side, like, yeah, you really can't even get up to bat unless you know certain parts of the compliance, but most of that compliance stuff and not to minimize it, but it's like knowledge-based stuff, right? Uh, there are services out there, like you said. And so uh, before we jump back into the third core competency, which uh, Steve alluded to as in marketing, uh, which is something that kind of was more of a, um, I, I referred to it the other day to a potential customer as the unintentional journey that we took to build a core competency around marketing. It was one of those things like we knew we had to, do you hire out, do you just, you know, do you cobble together? But we always talk about the, the Growth Lab 4, right? And we always felt like, hey, if the Growth Lab 4 is about helping you, the, the business owner, understand your cash flow, uh, understand where, uh, where you're making and losing money, um, number three, being paid for performance, and number four, marketing for profit. Yep. Those four, those three core competencies kind of, you know, hit on those four. Um, yeah. And we, we, we put the growth lab four together, what, five, five six, six years, years ago. ago. And, you know, it was not to line up with these core competencies, but, you know, marketing has become a core competency of the bit of growth lab. I mean, now we have 23 employees and, and three of those employees are, are marketing people, right? Like that's most businesses our size would not uh, be able to say, that uh, they have that that percentage uh, uh, applied to marketing when that is not a service that you're you're directly providing to customers. Plus, we're hiring a new intern starting in three or four weeks to help support yeah. marketing. Um, so the unintentional journey is kind of interesting, right? Because we look back, uh, everybody's got to get everybody has to have a website, everybody has to have a logo. You need to have a company name. We always knew, like, hey, we didn't want this to be. Gertrude's and Associates or Byler and Associates, right? We didn't want this to be about us. And so having uh, a, a name that is independent of quote unquote, the owners or the, the shareholders or the managing partners, uh, never wanted this to be sort of a, a partner heavy, partner driven uh, marketing um, right, program. Right, and uh, you know, going back to our 
origins, right? We started with a lot of our uh, new leads came from referrals, right? And you know, we where where we at today is is you know we do still have a strong solid referral base, but it looks a lot different than it did six years ago. Did, but where where we started six years ago was really on you know we knew that content needed to be a a, a core piece of what we develop. And initially, it was not to drive leads, but it was to reduce the sales cycle. Mm-hmm. Put content out there so that when people look for Growth Lab, and they're they're not finding just our website or our social profiles, they're finding content content that can help them, content that can educate them, so that they can realize like if I, you know, I can I can get value out of this this company even before I I pay them a dime. So to kind of go back in history again, the unintentional journey it really started with the web presence, social media, referrals. Referrals was always a big part of our marketing lead gen. And like Steve just mentioned, about 90 to 95% of our referrals actually used to come from our CPA friends. Now, our CPA friends, they're still friends, but we get approximately zero referrals <laughs> per year now from CPAs. So the days of uh, CPAs sending over customers with a shoebox full of crap, I mean receipts, uh, those days are kind of over. So we had to move away from that. We knew we had to define our own destiny. We had to manage and control how we generated leads. And so we went from that web presence, social media presence, begin to diversify our referral and lead generation uh, sources. But more importantly, it was that street credibility that Steve just mentioned was the premise for creating content creating that content, getting it out in the local business journals, getting it out online, we actually noticed a reduction from what used to take a full service uh, CFO, FP&A customer, would take sometimes six months to kind of close, was now taking two to three months. And that was huge for us because that yep. allows for big growth. So shorten that sales cycle. That's what everybody wants to do. And so we went from content creation for the purpose of sales conversion to beginning to develop more of that inbound marketing, nurturing, and diversifying our outbound sales. Super passionate about this. And maybe that passion is what begins to define, hey, this is a core competency we have. And, and uh, we started, you know, when we were dedicated resources, other than you, you your time and my time uh, and Corey's time, uh, when we started dedicated resources, we we brought on an intern, right? And I think the, the part of the reason to bring this all up is it's kind of how we developed how we grew uh, organically within our service space. Because, right, the unintentional journey, like just to get, you know, cut to the chase, where does that journey lead us? You know, we're getting inbound requests uh, because of the success that we've had in marketing and people seeing that success out there, um, inbound requests for our team to replicate that at their business. So that's kind of like the the destination of the unintentional journey and why, why we want to share with you what, uh, what that looked like for us. But kind of going back to the when we first started dedicating uh, separate time to this was we brought on an intern uh, because we knew at that point we had developed to the point where we knew what we needed and we knew how to manage it. We were not experts at yet, but nope. we knew how, we knew how, what we needed and how to manage it, and we needed time to put against it. And let's face it, even like seven years later, we're not experts. We're still learning. But with that said, about two and a half years ago, we began to double down. From you know, we obviously updated our website, but we also brought in an outside consulting firm that was dedicated to digital marketing. And that was quite eye-opening. It allowed us to see the good and the not so good, right? It was a great experience to kind of validate what, we were, what we've were we been doing to open our 
um, eyes to other opportunities. Um, but at the end of the day, we knew that we had outgrown them and that we had to begin to build out the team. Our approach to building an accounting team, our approach to building the FPA team, didn't start with the team. It, you know, it starts with the cadence, putting time towards it. It starts with productizing, uh, leveling up the rigor around the deliverables and how it's being delivered. And then it's the who. And so, like you said, we kind of cobbled together the team, right? And I'm just going to repeat that because it's, it's, it's been core to what, how we built the different services, right? Cadence, rigor, and team, right? If you're only providing a team, you're just providing access. And yes, you might have the best people, but if the customer is the one that's telling the team what to do, they're only going to get a certain amount of value out of it, right? You're just selling time. And, you know, from day one, we knew we did not want to sell time. So it's not just about the team. Then it becomes about the cadence and the rigor, right? The cadence is when are you meeting? How often are you meeting? What are you doing in those meetings? How often are you meeting? And then the rigor is what are you doing in those meetings? And when you're telling customers what you're doing in those meetings, that is the rigor, right? And I think in our, some of our experience with outsourcing some of the marketing function was we did get access to a team that knew what they were doing, but they were not telling us what to do. They were asking us what we wanted them to do. And at that point, we knew we had, as you said, Dan, kind of outgrown what they could provide yeah. because we were the ones that were directing. We were the ones that had the core competency of here's what we need and here's what we need to spend time doing. So we brought that in-house. Yeah, it was developing that vision. So our vision for marketing is, I would say has always been, but I don't think we would have articulated this way. At least the last few years, we've started articulating that our vision for marketing, yes, at the end of the day, it's about generating leads that are ready and willing and can afford our services, right? So we view that, okay, how do you generate leads? It's inbound marketing. And inbound marketing is not about developing unintentional um, unintentional content, but quite the opposite, very intentional. And I would say about 13, 14 months ago, that became extremely obvious, especially as the economy began to shut down, the, this, like the, the, the paradigm the, that, that sort of we could you know, live by over the last you know, five years, that was about to change. Yeah. You know, we, had, we were walking into a new era where we had, to, we had to come to this realization that nobody was going to buy from us for the next 12 months. And that forced us to become more intentional with the content we were generating and creating because this, is, this takes up a lot of time. This costs not just money, but it's a lot of effort. There are people behind the scenes. It's not just you and I talking here. But what we realized is being more intentional with the content we were creating and, and, and being a little more altruistic with that content, uh, that ultimately helped us, I would say, reposition how we think about inbound marketing and content management. And even, uh, even kind of dictated uh, the title of our podcast, The Raw Take for CEOs, because uh, 13, 14 months ago, we were just found ourselves out there talking office hours, open Zoom meetings, what's going on? We were out there before most people because we, we are not, we're not the CPA. We, we don't have, aren't limited by like what is gonna be the letter of the law. Because if you remember in PPP world, the letter of the law never really came until maybe what, th three months ago? <laughs> and so, you know, I, I, again, I going, stepping back, what you hear from us, whether it's here or in webinars, especially in the last 12 months, the the tone, the approach, the thoughtfulness has not really changed. It's what we used to say to our potential customers 
five, six, seven years ago, the only difference is it was a one-to-one. -one. It was a lot of you know hand-to-hand guerrilla sort of marketing, and and that's not scalable. Um, and what we realized was what we were actually creating wasn't what we were saying to customers behind the scenes. And I think what happened was um, 12, 13 months ago, we sort of realized, hey, if we can't have those one-to-ones, we have to have one-to-manys and not lose that tone and voice. So that is our intentional content creation now. Uh, we put a lot more thoughtfulness into it. And you know what's funny is like, I think we have a lot more fun uh, the analysts enjoy sort of the more creative side of our content creation now. Um, but then that, you know, part of that inbound marketing, going from content to in actual the nurturing of the leads, mm -hmm. we've become a lot more sophisticated, right. uh, whether it's drip campaigns, retargeting, even the tools we're using, you know, we're, we're super deep into HubSpot now. We're not just like, you know, scratching the surface of HubSpot and the, so. Uh, yeah, and it all comes, uh, kind of what you're referring to it, it all comes down to data, right? Uh, it used to be that people would say, you know, I know that uh, uh, half of my marketing budget is working. I just don't know which half or a quarter, whatever number you want to put in there. Nowadays, you can tell which, which what, what is working and what's not working, especially digital, digital uh, uh, content. And I think it's it, like the, the four, kind of going to the end of our unintentional journey, uh, we kind of identify what are the four pillars of marketing for for to make it a core competency. Uh, inbound, which is what, you know, content creation, so that when people are looking for things that you do, they find your thought leadership, they find your content, and then they come to you. Right? And then they come awesome. to you, and then you nurture and them. Then you nurture them, and you're patient with them. You're not forcing them into this package or that package, but you're teaching them. You want customers that you want potential leads that you know they're sort of scratching their head feeling what they're feeling. They know they need to make a change and you're helping them understand the difference between your value proposition and some other indirect value proposition, right? It's not always about a one-to-one -one com competitive replacement. In our business, it's like, hey, should I just hire someone internally to do X, Y, and Z? Or can I get more and pay the same or less? And that's a pretty interesting value proposition. So um, that's inbound marketing for us. There's a lot more components to that because one of the things that we've also learned in terms of intentional content, is not just what feels good and what's fun. We're actually beginning to use data to drive what type of content we're creating. So we're using more uh, tools like uh, SEMrush. We're obviously very analytical. Uh, we probably spent at least an hour a week reviewing Google Search Console, uh, Google Analytics. SEMrush is nice because it kind of gives you a broader competitive overview of the keywords that are driving traffic to your competitors. And so now we're able to say, hey, that's a great blog. However, it looks like, you know, a competitor XYZ or, hey, there's a lot of traffic going towards this keyword that's quite relevant to what we, maybe we can add some value. So that's being more intentional with our content creation. Yeah, so another one of our pillars that sometimes we say should be the overarching one is analytics, right? Because it does come down to data, like you, know, you just pointed out. It's not just about creating content, throwing it out there and hoping that it works. It's, you know, what, what content should we be uh, creating or what content worked and how can, we, how can we repeat that with a different angle? Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, technically we should have probably stepped back and say the overarching sort of the umbrella around the three pillars is data analytics. Data needs to drive the efficiency and effectiveness of each of these. So inbound marketing, for sure, we just gave the example of 
you know, optimizing your blogs for the keywords that are driving traffic to maybe your competitors or maybe some other indirect um, website. The second uh, pillar has to be and always will be sales, right? And that's, you know, cold leads. How do you get out there? So one of our good competitors and friends over at Reconcile It, you know, he, Michael, he pointed us to Growbots. You know, at first I was a little like, oh, you mean I'm going to be like reaching out and, you know, spamming and it's really not too I mean we it's try a, not to be spamming there's algorithms you so know, it's email marketing essentially it's email marketing but it, it, it there, so we're doing a couple of different types of email marketing this one in particular is quite cold it's uh, market segment driven and Michael Lee kind of you know he, he really pushed us to like hey you really need to check this one out and we did and it turned out to be quite successful uh unfortunately there has been some like a little bit of backlash right on our google reviews the only negative google review we have was from someone that probably got swept up in our cold outbound uh, email campaigns um it's it's out there so you know we can talk about <laughs> it. Um, but that's been one sliver of our uh, outbound sales um, approach also a company that we started using a company called Lift Certain recently. And that's been quite interesting where you're beginning to see, you know, you have your site visitors. You can actually understand not just the persona, but, you know, you the affinity group, you can go beyond that. It actually tells you kind of who this person is. So that's pretty cool to know that. Uh, if somebody's coming to your website and they're sort of like, eh, do I want to go? Do I not want to go? Now you can retarget to that individual through other uh, platforms. The other one is um, in-market intent. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great one because that kind of takes you away of that spammy, like out, uh, outbound email campaign. Now you're beginning to target those individuals that are truly in-market looking for virtual CFO services, booking, some tax services. Yeah, you find people that are searching the web, that are looking at, at other, other websites, looking at your website, for the services you're providing. And before they even kind of reach out and identify themselves in, so, in so, some instances, you're able to identify who they are and send them a note. Yep. Like, and I'll tell you, you know, my, my friend, Steve Kay over at Magic Desk, you know, he, he's turned, up, turned me on to a few of these things. You know, one of the things that he said, and you know, we've been feeling it. We've been, you know, we've toyed around with this idea. It's inside sales. You know, he told me like the, the, uh, largest medium that is so underutilized right now is that damn telephone nobody picks up the telephone and it's funny because one of the complaints or you know one of the criticisms we have with some of our analysts is like pick up the phone and call the customer <laughs> pick up the phone and call the customer um so that's another great approach especially as you're building um a robust well-connected um I, I have found that at least as we're building out our marketing uh capability you can't just rely on one path or one medium or one tool. Sure. It's all got to be interconnected. And part of how we learned that is, is uh, early in PPP days, we had some great content and we thought, you know, um, part of our journey, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's put some money against these keywords, drive some content, uh, drive some traffic to our website, to our blog, to our PPP calculator at the time, right? The only one that was out there. Um, so let's drive some drive some traffic and that's going to be great for us in in yeah and so the third and so continuing on with that like the third uh pillar in our marketing has been um advertising and promotions now to be honest we have been lukewarm on uh the whole google adwords linkedin facebook we we've had good successes like we've had drove a lot of successes. drove a lot of 
traffic. Yeah, it's, it drove a lot of traffic. Uh, we've we've learned how to use affinity groups and how to like target. Um, but then, it, you know, even with the advertise the ad side of uh, our marketing strategy, it still comes back down to content. You know, mm -hmm. th those landing pages is it catchy? You know, it, is it really uh, quickly? You know, within within call it five seconds, is it really compelling to the uh, to the individual who just landed on your? Right. You know, those CPCs and being and being very strategic with the CPCs, so you're not blowing your marketing budget out of the water. There's a lot to think about. Um, to be honest, we've sort of been lukewarm on that. Where we do double down on that side, on that pillar, is on retargeting. So once we understand that a potential lead has been nurtured, has come to our website, has received some of our uh, email campaigns, now that's a good time to kind of bounce on that lead in LinkedIn or Facebook, et cetera. So in, in, in the digital ad spend, you know, you really need to keep like a weekly, if not daily eye on your spend and on your analytics, what's working and what's not working. Because the last thing you want to do is spend money on things that are not driving uh, the right people to your content. But at the same time, Steve, I will also say you have to be patient. You can't expect that, oh, just because I, I threw a hundred bucks at an ad in one week, um, and nothing came out of it, like that's not enough time. What we've also noticed is that ads that have been good ads with the right landing pages uh, that have been, um, so I don't wanna say set and forget, but have given enough time to vintage out, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that would be another pointer I would have to throw in there. So those are kind of the three things that, you know, how we look at marketing and of course data, analy data analytics is um, key to all this. And you know, it's funny, I get the question like, what does a bunch of finance guys know about marketing? You know, I got to tell you, like my first job out of college was sales, international sales, right? You did a lot of marketing in your first startup and in your um, one of your uh, first full-time yeah. jobs. Uh, marketing is core, is core right? Uh, especially if you're a business owner, you know. It's knowing your customer, right? And uh, what, what is the first step in our 10-step approach to building a financial model? Yeah, it starts with customer acquisition costs, lifetime value, adjustable yeah, market, good market strategy. You know, and I would say if if uh, if finance people were to build a generally acceptable finance principles type of PL, it would never start with revenue minus cons, right? You would start with, hey, what's my marketing spend? And my marketing spend then translates into revenue. It's it's quite circular. So that's kind of our marketing. That's a little bit of uh, lifting our, you know, little the curtain here. Um, we enjoy this. We use quite a few tools. Uh, even on our website, we're using Hotjar, um, you know, big HubSpot company. Yeah, no, the, it's, it's, it comes out of tools. But in, in general, like, you know, we do refer to this as our unintentional journey because it started out, it, it was always very intentional, but bringing it all together and, and be, making it a core competency, that part was, you know, the unintentional. We always knew we needed marketing, um, but by having it as a core competency of what we do at Growth Lab, and now that we're actually selling these services to customers because they're asking for it, um, that part was unintentional. We never, like, start, launched into this thinking, I want to build a, a uh, marketing services business, but we realized that, you know, if we build it around cadence, rigor, and team, you know, we can. Yeah. You and know, what's funny is that it was unintentional. It, it has definitely become much more oh, sure. intentional um, 
recently, and as, I wouldn't even say recently because we had our first marketing customer almost two years ago, maybe a year, a year and a half ago. And we were probably a little too early um, to bat. You know, we probably needed a little bit more maturing, um, but it gave us some great learning experiences. And I think one of the key takeaways was, hey, it's not about hiring. It's about going back to basics. What worked for building an FP&A team or an accounting team or even a tax team, right? Maybe the tax team, we kind of did it a little bit different uh, because of the um, sort of the level of intellect needed there or experience. It has to start with the cadence, the productization, right, the rigor around the product. And then lastly, it's about the team, building the team once you've had the foundation of the framework in place. And that's what we've now done with marketing. And as we're speaking, we're actually in the process of hiring or looking for that potential director of marketing, um, someone who can help take charge uh, from a leadership perspective and hopefully at the same time bring in um, some learnings that and experiences that you know we sure. you know where we where we may have some gaps. So that 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 is more intentional now for sure. So that that's that's about a little bit about our journey. We are going to spend the rest of May. We're going to bring some uh, some guests on to the podcast, uh, talk about their journey. And and but if you have anything you want us to touch on, any questions you have, let us know. We would love to speak directly to what you're. Uh, looking to do. Yeah. Marketing is a passion for us. Sales, business development is obviously a passion. I don't think you, I don't think you can be a, a business owner, a founder without, you know, sales being sort of top of mind, number one. Um, yes. Product development is important. Finance is important. Accounting is important. Legal is important. But at the end of the day, uh, without sales, you know, there's really no business. So I think the last, last thing for me, at least, I think that's why it makes marketing as a core competency so interesting because the business owners are the ones that either had an awesome product idea that they built into a business or they were great salespeople and they built that into a business, right? Those are probably 80% of the businesses out there. Uh, you don't find a, uh, rarely do you find a marketing person or a content person that builds a business, but they, they're great businesses like Airbnb, right? Designed. Focus on design, right? But uh, I think that's why I, we're so passionate about this in speaking to business owners is that it is often just a, a, a piece off to the side that we're going to outsource marketing, right? But it really needs to be something that you own and you manage. Yeah. And marketing is still a numbers game, right? So finance people are actually pretty damn good marketers. I'll leave it at that. Cool. Nice job. See everybody next time. Okay. So that's a wrap, Steve. Cool. Join us next week. Check us out at growthlabfinancial.com or text RAWTAKE to 833-759-0277.